that explores ever-expanding levels of beauty, truth, and goodness. I'm Jesse, and I'm joined by my co-host Dan. And right now you're listening to Wait For Me, and it is a, by a fantastic group called Giraffe Squad. This is our first show, Dan. Yes, it is. I'm excited, man. We're part of WXPI Community Radio, Williamsport, and we're very excited to be doing the show. I think we should, um, you know, dive right in. Let's uh, let's talk about. Let's introduce ourselves. Yeah, let's do that. You want to start? Yeah, let's do it, man. Uh, my name is Jesse. I uh, I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania, but I've been living in, in Williamsport for quite a while now. Who uh, went to Penn College, studied design. And that's what I do. Uh, I'm a graphic designer, web designer, um, but I'm also many other things. I'm, I, uh, I'm uh, married, I have a spouse, uh, beautiful wife, uh, children. Um, I also like to write, and I do many other things. I'm defined by my relations. What about you, Dan? Uh, yeah, I grew up in uh, Jersey Shore. I went to Pennsylvania College of Technology. Uh, Jesse and I, that's where Jesse and I met. Yeah. Um, and we've been great friends ever since. Um, I'm also married. I've got two kids. Cool. And I just, um, I'm between jobs at the moment, so <laughs> I have a little spare time. So you've got a lot of time to yeah. do radio shows. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's talk about what the, what the show's about. Um, the, sh- the, uh, the title, let's talk about the title. I, I guess we can kind of get at it that way. Increased capacity, it's, um, it's a riff on one of my sort of philosophical muses, uh, the 20th century mathematical physicist Alfred North Whitehead. He has a very aesthetic definition of evolution. He describes evolution as an increase in the capacity to experience what is intrinsically valuable. So with that in mind, the, the, the show uh, is going to have three segments, and we're calling them beauty, truth, and goodness. And... Um, it's going to be it's going to be a very exciting way for us to explore uh, a whole bunch of different topics uh, that have to do with arts and humanities. Um, we're going to talk about things on this show that range anywhere from boy, current events, philosophy, theology, literature, politics, religion, 
you know, all the way to science, pop culture, TV, film, music, you know, art, design. Dan and I are both designers. Really, anything that humans do well, that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, so uh, I'm really excited. We've got uh, some cool things. Dan and I are going to bring three things to talk about each episode. Um, something from the beauty category, something from the truth category, and something from the, uh, the goodness category. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, these, these three categories, these three values, um, they are sort of the three primary values. We, we can think of them that way. The three primary values that have been recognized since antiquity in cultures throughout the world. Um, boy, the, uh, the pre-Socratics talked about beauty, truth, and goodness. Uh, Plato, famously. Uh, we've, uh, these topics also translate to soul, mind, or heart. Jesus talks about these. Even in Eastern thought, uh, we, we, we see thinkers describing something good, something true, something beautiful. Well, the goal of our show is going to be to help each other, I think, but also to help our listeners yeah. increase their capacity to appreciate greater levels and depths of these three values. Does that sound cool? That sounds great. Sound good, Dan? Oh, yeah. Let's, well, with that intro in mind, let us get into the first category. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Yeah, Mar- Amari paying homage to uh, Pete Holmes there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We're, Dan and I are both big podcast fans. Yeah, yeah. And we're happy to be doing an audio program. Uh, let's talk about beauty. Here's our, here's our, our beauty intro. Beauty. Awesome. So the first segment of our show is beauty. And so Dan and I are each bringing, a, bringing a, something beautiful to talk about. This is like a category um, that, uh, you know, has to, do with, uh, has to do with art, right? has to do with aesthetics and philosophy. That's what we would be talking about if we're talking about beauty. We'd talk, be talking about aesthetics. So the way that we're going to approach this, I think, is we're going to bring something that we find inspirational or something that we appreciate uh, this could be anything, you know, from visual art to design. It could be, could, could be anything. It could be a TV show. It could be a movie. Um, and we're just going to talk about why we like these things. We're not going to try not to assess them or analyze them too much. But, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see where it goes. This is our first episode, so uh, I'm, I'm sure we're going to, you know, uh, have a lot of things to learn along the way. But, yeah, let's, let's see, how, see where it goes. Dan, you want to go? You want to share your your item? Sure thing. Yeah, and I guess I should probably probably uh, be saying yes into the mic whenever you're saying things instead of <laughs> shaking my head up and down because <laughs> yeah, nobody's right. going to see that. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll start off with my my first thing here. Um, now I I watch a lot of Netflix, um, and I've actually I've really gotten into the original Twilight Zone series from from the late fifties, early sixties, and. Nice. Um, a lot of the episodes are great. I mean, and then some are just kind of, you know, I could care less. It's either hit or miss yeah. for me. Um, and I started watching the, it was the final episode of season three. It was called The Changing of the Guard. It was episode 37. Nice. And I started watching it, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a snooze fest. But it actually ended up being one of the greatest episodes I've, I've ever seen with The Twilight Zone. And I'll just I'll wow. give you a brief rundown on the show here mm-hmm. um the main character is a guy named dr fowler he's been a college professor in english liter- literature for over 50 years 
he loves his job and he loves his students, even though he calls them dunderheads. <laughs> but he uh, he says they're very likable dunderheads. Nice. Um, but the episode takes place just before Christmas break. He says goodbye to his students for the for the holidays, and the dean calls him into his office, and the dean has some uh, bad news for me. They're going to let him go. He's been there a long time. They feel they need some some new blood in the uh, in his position. Um, Dr. Fowler doesn't take this too well, so he goes home and he just kind of uh, you know monologues to himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he, he finally you know he, he feels like he has not contributed anything to the world that he hasn't helped any of his students in any way that he's just you know he's just spewed pointless rhetoric right um, so he contemplates killing himself and uh, ouch so he um, ends up going to the school mm-hmm. um, one of the people that he looked up to there was a memorial statue to this person and he's standing there talking to the statue, and he, he finally pulls the gun out to shoot himself when all of a sudden the school bells ring. Yeah. And it, it's late at night by now, and he's wondering, why are the school bells ringing, you know? And so he's, he decides to go inside to investigate. Uh, he, he goes into his classroom, and uh, he, he sits at his desk, and as he does, all these students just appear out of nowhere, thin wow. air, at their desks. And this is kind of the creepy part, if you watch it. Um, they all kind of in unison just like raise their heads and turn and, and look at them. Oh, it's, man. Just, it's kind of creepy. But yeah, um, anyway, one by one, these students, they um, get up and they, they tell Dr. Fowler how much they've impacted uh, their lives. And, and I didn't mention this, but they're all ghosts of former students. Yeah. Um, a lot of them, you know, died in World War One, World War Two, and okay. uh, other reasons. Um, but a lot of them just they say how much this professor meant to them yeah it sounds like a it sounds almost like a like a scrooge yeah kind of yeah kind of, kind of. or, or uh, uh wonderful life yeah yeah, yeah it was very much like that um i was thinking that too while watching it and there was also something there was something about the character of dr fowler that kind of reminded me of uh robin williams from dead poet society in, in a small way um and i really enjoyed that part of it too uh, so yeah. Anyway, um, so this just impacts him greatly, and he's able to accept the fact that he's retired now, and he's able to enjoy his life. Yeah. And what I really got out of this is, you know, we we really need to take time to thank our mentors, to uh, yeah. say how much we appreciate what they've done for us. And and fortunately, I've had the opportunity to run into my high school art teacher actually just recently, probably within the last couple of years, and. Just uh, you know, was able to sit and talk with him, and he he gave me some of the greatest advice uh, that I've ever had. And he said, you know, no matter what you end up doing, make sure you're enjoying what you do. So wow, very cool. Oh man, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, telling someone how much you know of a difference they made makes a difference. Um, Mm -hmm. The yeah, when when you said um, when you were describing the episode, and you mentioned that the the professor was going to kind of uh, off himself, I was like, man, it's not that bad. You know, I was thinking <laughs> to myself, but it wow, it it really reminded me of uh, something I heard today that um, there's an argument out there that um, you know life in prison without without chance of parole, um, there's an argument to be made that that is a cruel and unusual 
uh, type of punishment. Definitely. Um, because there's something about humans that, uh, you know, there's something just about us existentially that, that we need this desire. Uh, we desire hope. Like, we have, to, we have to have it. And, you know, depriving someone of, like, of that, uh, you know, uh, of that hope, of that, that you know, chance for uh, something better um, really does... Uh, makes a difference, you know. It reminds me of the football player that just killed himself, right? He right. Was, he was facing right. uh, life in prison, and um, but uh, I think something. Ha- I don't remember the whole story, but uh, I think like he uh, the charges were dropped or something like that, or mm. um, but he was still facing uh, life in prison for for murder or something, um, and maybe killed himself, mm. which is like extremely tragic. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, putting yourself in that teacher's shoes, like teaching students and like not having any sort of feedback or, you know, not, not seeing results. Right. Uh, it's gotta be, it's gonna be crazy. Right. But yeah, cool episode. Twilight Zone. I, man. Yeah. You gotta watch it. Like I said, it's uh, season three, episode Mm -hmm. 37. It's called the changing of the guard. Yeah. It's Twilight Zone, or as I like to call it, the original black mirror. Yeah, yeah. And even if, you, even if you don't have Netflix, I think you could even find it on YouTube or something like that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, what do you have for us, Jesse? What, what yeah. kind of beauty have you brought yeah, us Yeah, let's today? keep moving. Let's keep moving. My, uh, my pick for the beauty segment is also a TV show, but it's not just one episode. It's, it's a whole season, and it is a, it, it's, it's a superhero show, um, but it's one that, it's, that is unlike any that I have seen. And it's it's on FX, and it's it's the show called Legion, and it's uh, wow, it's it's fantastic. It stars Dan Stevens as David Howler, who is a mutant diagnosed with schizophrenia at a very young age, and he, he grows up thinking he's he's, he's psychotic um, because he, he hears voices, and um, when he's alone, crazy weird things happen. He's able to make things happen, um, you know. And as he gets older, he's in and out of uh, psychiatric, you know. Uh, hospitals and um and in and out of therapy but uh as the show progresses we the question arises you know is it really uh is he really sick is does he really have a mental illness or is it something else the show's fantastic it's i I did not know the character it's based on uh, a marvel character called legion and um i didn't know much about him going in I, i didn't know the character um but you know i love i like superhero stuff although i have been getting very burnt out with you know all the Marvel movies coming out. You know it's just one after the other. The DC, the, D, the DC shows, right, and the Marvel Netflix shows. Yeah. Um, but this show is, is dramatically, dramatically different. Um, it, it, it seems like all of the Marvel shows that have come out have uh, sort of just you know incrementally improved upon previous you know iterations. You right. Know? Right. Like look with Supergirl, it's it's cool, but you know it's like it's it's an incremental step up. Um, the Flash, you know, Green Arrow, all those shows. Yeah, I like them all, um, but you know, they're, they're they're like B's, B pluses. But yeah. Legion, Legion's an A. I, yeah. I, I gotta say, there's just something about it. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's not timid. It, it offers, uh, boy, the way it's shot. It's it's directed by Noah Hawley, who who also did the show Fargo for Netflix. Um, and if you haven't seen that, it's, it's phenomenal. Mm. Both seasons. Yeah, I, I saw the movie Fargo years ago, but it, yeah, is, is it anything like the? It's yeah, it's it's um. Okay. Very much in that vein, um, mm. although it has nothing to do with the, with the movie except it takes place in like North Dakota and right. Minnesota, and um, 
sort of has a similar similar feel as yeah. far as like being like dark and you know psychological. Okay, and they have that awesome accent, right? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They totally have the accent. All right. <laughs> um, it's yeah, but but that show I also recommend. But Noah Howley, he, he approaches this show um, again, just like Fargo, with this kind of psychological approach. He he he, and this character lends itself perfectly. Uh, David Haller, who. I mean, I don't want to spoil it too much, but he hears voices. He has multiple personalities. We we, we come to find, and we, which isn't a secret if you know the you know the material, the, the source material. Um, boy, just the way the show flows, it's it's uh, and the way it's edited and the way it's shot, it's it's very jittery. Would be a great way to describe it. Um, it it really it really uh, does a, does a great stuff, great uh, great job of sort of um, and and I credit uh, the actor. Um, Dan Stevens for 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 this uh, quite a bit. He he's able to transition between hopelessness and, and hope in a remarkable way. Um, the show is because it deals with like you know uh, psychological sort of mental illness. It, it, it's very jittery, and um, it's uh, it's not for everyone. But um, it's fantastic. It, it offers like a surreal, jagged uh, sort of orbit. It's very distinctive, a distinctive drama. Um, and yeah, I, I got to say it's a it's worth worth watching. I, I found it um, uh, found it riveting. I watched you know just binge binge watched all all the seasons. They're all the, all the episodes. But um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I haven't. Check it out. Uh, I think I've heard of that one. I haven't seen anything about it. But uh, mm. yeah, I'm kind of getting caught up on some of the the Marvel stuff on, yeah. on Netflix. There, I'm just finishing up Jessica Jones. And That's good. Like I said, it's it's good. But yeah, it's it's all right. But yeah, this Legion does sound pretty cool. Yeah, um, Audrey uh, or Aubrey Plaza is is in is in the show as well. She plays this really cool character. Um, she uh, people may know her from uh, Parks and Parks and Rec. She okay. played like the uh, the receptionist, I guess. I the older character. Another another show was. I need to get caught up. Yeah, on. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, she's good, and yeah. Rachel Keller is also uh, a star in the show. But yeah, that's my pick for for the beauty segment, um, and. Let's keep moving because uh, we're, we're doing pretty good here. Yeah. Let's keep moving. We're going to move on to our truth segment. Truth. Dan, what you got? You pick right. you up next. Well, I'm a, uh, I follow Rob Bell. I know he's kind of an acquired taste for some. Uh, you, know, you either love him or hate him or you're like, who's Rob Bell? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's he was a pastor who started a church called Mars Hill out of, I believe it was Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he's just, uh, you know, I'm not going to go too much into that, but I was listening to his podcast. He has one called The Robcast, and I was listening to episode 123. Mm-hmm. It was from his wisdom series from part seven, The Simple and, and the Subtle. He had an interesting quote about fundamentalism. Fundamentalism is the refusal to acknowledge the complexities of life. Fundamentalism is the refusal to acknowledge the ambiguous nature of many situations in life. Fundamentalism just charges in with very black and white, just do the right thing. Uh, So what fundamentalism has to do in all forms is it has to push the difficulty and the ambiguity under the surface. Which is why in very repressive environments, people are always nuts. You know what I'm talking about? They're always... They're, they're always, you find a level of just miserable. And oftentimes you'll find people end up way more devious and scheming <laughs> because you have to push all of that under. And then you need to find an enemy because 
of all of that which swirls around within you, if you're not honest about it and name it and drag it up and talk freely about it, then you have to find an enemy to place it on. Otherwise, you're going to have to look inside. What are your thoughts on that, Jesse? That's awesome. Yeah, I like it. Uh, yeah, I like the way you describe fundamentalism. Um, what, what was the, uh, the, the, the first part there? The first part. Uh, it says fundamentalism is the refusal mm-hmm. to acknowledge the complexities of life. Yeah, that's good. I find that to be the case. Um, we sort of all go through um, different stages in life. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, being younger and refusing to acknowledge the complexities of life. Right, right. <laughs> I think as we, as we grow, we, yeah. we start to see that things are way more complicated than, mm. than, um, uh, than we once thought. Yeah, yeah, we, at a young age, I mean, I have, uh, you know, young children, and, and it's interesting. You, you, you can see it sort of happening developmentally now. Like, um, yeah. things are very black and white, and that's sort of how we make meaning, right? Mm-hmm. As, as humans, we, we sort of make meaning by contrasting things by splitting things and um some people never get past that right yeah we just some people don't grow out of it yeah and i can arrested yeah i can say that you know early i may have been heading in that direction earlier in life you know even as a uh, young adult in my my Mm -hmm. mid to late 20s um and that was probably around the time that something just hit me and made me realize that you know i'm not doing something right and uh so I, I think there's a lot of people out there. Like I, I wouldn't have considered myself to be fundamentalist, you know, and I don't think a lot of people would even call themselves that. But yeah. uh, sometimes, you know, you just need to take a hard look in the mirror. Um, you have to realize maybe how you're you're treating people, and uh, you know, are you are you actually loving a person, or are you just spewing facts or right. what you believe to be facts? You know. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, like I said, I've could have gone down that road very easily earlier in life, but uh, kind of steered my way mm-hmm. out of that. And I, I feel like, um, and, it, and you know, even as a parent, you, you mentioned that uh-huh. sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's hard not to be a, a fundamentalist as a parent, you know, cause you just, right. just do the right thing, you know, and it's, it's hard to give your kids leeway sometimes. And you have to really step back and, and look at how you're raising your kids, you know, and yep. it's, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Because, well, for me, I, I find that uh, being at a sort of a, well, what I like to think is a more mature sort of stage now where I'm able to see sort of, you know, at least multiple perspectives, at least some some perspectives other than my own. Um, it's, you don't want to, you don't want to be super permissive as a parent either, right? You don't want to no. like... <laughs> Because because the kid needs to know like that he can't do certain things right you got to be sort of right right um, you got to like for lack of a better term put your foot down on certain things you know um, and everything that I've read on on child psychology uh, that seems to be the consensus is that y- you don't want to be permissive right you don't want to be wishy washy you don't right. want to be like a relativist you know um, where ah you know it's it's okay it's you know everything's everything's permissible that kind of thing yep um but you don't want to be authoritarian either right no no you're um, condemning condemning people condemning the the kid and and spanking the kid and you know all that sort of thing um the from what everything i've read is 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 that you need to be firm but fair um but also keeping in mind part of that fairness uh my spouse and i were just talking about this part of that fairness i think includes relationships so, and that's the mistake that the authoritarian makes is that 
they neglect the relationship right. aspect, um, where, where it becomes <clears throat> the uh, the parent becomes sort of godlike in a sense, uh, infallible, right, mm. um, and, and, and sort of removed or uh, you know detached, right, um, transcendent in a, in a way, right, right, um, right. not involved. Uh, doesn't make mistakes. I mean, and that's kind of, you think about it, that's how little children sort of view their parents that way. Mm-hmm. As, as God, little G gods, right, in <laughs> yeah. a way. You know, yeah. and boy, when parents fight, it's like the gods rumbling, you know. Hmm. Must be, I remember my, seeing my parents fight, being little and being, wow, seeing that and being very, very afraid. Yeah. But <clears throat> the relationality aspect is so important. That's part of the fairness. Um, you know, and there's the, all this research coming out that, um, I, 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 uh, that parents, you know, as much as, parents want their kids to grow up like them, the, the, the research more and more is, is coming out and saying that kids don't end up being like the parents. They end up being more like their friends. Yeah. Um, and so that relational aspect is crucial. Because um, you always hear, you always, you always hear parents say, I'm not your friend. I'm, I'm, I'm your dad. Yeah. I'm, I'm your mom. You know, I'm your parent. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't I think, like that I think saying. it can be both. I think it yeah. really can be both. It doesn't always have to be either or. That's good, man. That was a good, that was a good pick. Yeah. Um, let me let me talk about my pick quick, and then we'll drop some on. truth on us. Yeah, man, this is the truth. <laughs> and I should have went through these, but this is the this is the truth category, and this is um, you know, in, in philosophy, this is a, what we would kind of tr- talk about as um, you know, the uh, the mind part, so the intellectual sort of stuff. We're talking about concepts here. We're talking about things that get you thinking, right? Um, we. This is a funny category, you know, in our current climate, um, because we're, we're, we're our culture is very. Um, the Oxford's word of the year was was post truth, hmm. so I have to talk about that sometime in this category. That right. might be one of my picks. But this pick, my first pick here, is a New York Times article by Stephen Asma, and uh, fantastic. It, it was it came out April tenth, couple couple weeks ago. Um, but it's so good. It was so good. Uh, Asma, let me see. He is. What is his deal? It's an interesting last name. Yeah, I don't know what he does. Um, I've never read anything Sneezes. by him before. But it was in, the, the article is called, Was Bo Diddley a Buddha? Hmm. Okay, but, and, and it was in uh, the New York Times in the, uh, in the Stone, which is their like philosophy sort of section. It's all about this guy, Stephen Asma, was a guitar player. Um, but not just any guitar player, a jazz guitar, uh, a jazz, but blues, blues and jazz guitar. Hmm. And he played with people like B.B. King and, uh, nice. and uh, Buddy Guy and Bo Diddley, right? And uh, the article was so good. And let me just read a passage here. Before my first gig with Bo, I spent a full week of intensive preparation, learning and rehearsing his songs. On the opening night, he arrived to the venue five minutes before showtime. As he walked on stage in front of 500 shouting fans, I tried to tell him all the songs I'd prepared. He just looked at me and blankly threw his Coke bottle glasses, plugged into his amp, and launched into a loud, rhythmic riff on his trademark rectangular guitar. He never bothered to tell me what song we were playing, what chord changes were coming, what key we were in, or anything. But, as every blues and jazz musician knows, that's how it goes. Hi, this is Dan Lewis. We hope you're enjoying increased capacity. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly.
Welcome back to Increase Capacity. We now continue with the show. The article he goes on to he goes on to say here uh, goes on to talk about imp- improvising. Now, so he he was a classically trained guitar player, knew how to read music and write music and and uh, and, and and play uh, play music that way. Was blown away by this sort of improvisation that these guys were doing. Hmm. Um, he goes on to say, improvising in music is the act of composing and performing simultaneously, and it is difficult to master but it is also universal. And despite the powerful human impulse to plan and program, integral to nearly every aspect of our lives, no matter who you are, a welder, philosopher, a guitarist, or a president, you are in some sense simultaneously making the map of your life and following it. It is not, ex- not an exaggeration to say life itself is one long improvisation. I love that. I love that verse. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, so process uh, thinking, process philosophy. I, I, I mentioned Alfred North Whitehead earlier, and he would he would love he, he would love this. Um, let me read another passage here. In music, at least, improvisation sometimes gets a bad rap, usually from the precincts of classical or other formal Western styles that rely on notation. It is sometimes looked down upon with a "my kid could do that" kind of dismissive attitude. Mm-hmm. But the ability to improvise is not just winging it. It's, it is built on foundations of study and practice that prepare the improviser for the moment of action. He goes on to talk about uh, uh, Taoism and a concept in Taoism called Wu Wei. Wu Wei is a Chinese word that is often translated as non-action, but more accurately means natural action or action in accordance with nature. The idea dominant in Taoism and Zen is that one should try to find the natural way of doing something and then simulate it or, al- or align oneself to it as opposed to forcing it. So that's, that's the article, and it's, it's so good I recommend, I recommend you checking it out, checking out the rest of it. But um, what, I, what I love about this is that, um, like I mentioned, it's very much in line with, uh, with a lot of Eastern thinking, you know, this idea of improvisation, that... Yeah. Um, that life is not static right but but it's it's a it's a process of interrelated events and i and i i love it um another um another uh writer that i like uh, richard lovick wrote an essay one time and he he also talks about improvisation and he's talking about how the cosmos works and uh i want to read read a little bit of that too The cosmos is like a musical performance. It's a freewheeling jazz festival with an ensemble of countless players. Some good, some bad, but all improvising as hard as they can go. They play not for the glory of God or to celebrate some spiritual ideal of art. They play only because they enjoy it. Unfortunately, the musicians don't always agree on which chords to strike, and they never disagree about what tunes they want to play. And even ugly fights break out amongst the artists. And sometimes they smash their instruments over their heads. But rising like a wraith among the screeches, the squawks, and the thwacks, you'll hear the cadences of, and counterpoint of supernal music, almost too lovely to bear. The cosmos is a freewheeling jazz festival. We're making it up as we go. Yeah. I love that picture. I think that's, that's fantastic. This could have been my beauty pick, but I, right. I chose it as my truth pick because it's, it's sort of conceptual and... Uh, and, and, and intellectual, but that's what I like about you know 
this sort of philosophy, this sort of aesthetic cosmology. It's, right. it's beautiful to me and makes it all the more true. I feel like life is very improvised. No matter what kind of plan we could have, you know, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't always look the, the way that we, we expect it to. Definitely not. Yeah. And I know you've talked about, I know you're, you're a fan of blues music and yeah. not so much jazz, but I think, I think you like the concept of jazz more than you like the music itself. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's certain jazz, certain jazz that, that I don't like, and it's yeah. the kind that he, that, that, uh, Lubbock was talking about the kind that just goes on the kind that doesn't have a refrain mm-hmm. oh man it just just goes on and on it's really weird but yeah as a yeah. designer I mean we need that we need that uh, that sort of you know chorus or, 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 or verse chorus verse sort of thing right, right? That, that sort of pattern little, that, that's what I look for as, yeah, as a yeah. designer I, I, I like to have that a little more structure yeah structural sort of that base um, but um, yeah good man um, let's, let's move on to goodness Goodness. Go ahead. What's your pick? All right. Well, uh, my first, I kind of felt like my, my beauty and truth sections were a little, I, I wouldn't say too heavy, but mm-hmm. um, I wanted to end on something a little more lighthearted. Yeah, yeah. So um, I found this on a website called midday.com. Nice. Uh, beaver accidentally herds 150 cattle across farm. Oh, man. All right. That <laughs> so, sounds good. Here it is. A beaver has become an online sensation just because it accidentally herded 150 head of cattle across a farm in Canada last week. Oh, wow. The hilarious video shows the cows carefully following the beaver. When the rodent moves, they move. And when it stops, they stop, too. The unusual behavior of the cattle was spotted by Adrian Ivey, a cattle rancher from Canada's Saskatchewan province. Wow. The 150 young cows had all crowded together in one spot, and when Ivy and her husband investigated, they found they had all gathered around a beaver. The cows were following the bemused creature, keeping a respectful three-foot distance as they plodded along. (laughs) So, yeah, you can um, definitely find that video if you go on YouTube. Um, We're we're (laughs) hoping to have a Facebook page here. I don't know if it's up yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get all that stuff set up. Um, This, uh, yeah, this episode will be... Well, the show will be, it'll be broadcast, you know, live on, mon- on Mondays, every other Monday yep. um, on WXPI, Williamsport Community Radio, 88.5. Um, but um, we'll, it'll also be archived on the, the uh, WXPI website and um, uh, iTunes, where we, we need to do, we'll do iTunes. Right. Um, obviously. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be able to find us everywhere. We'll, yeah. So, so any, anytime we have anything that's more vi- visual yeah. than mm-hmm. audio yep. on our show, we will have, uh, something on our Facebook page for you to see. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a good, that's a good pick, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's a good one to end on, uh, for the, for the good category. This is the category that, <clears throat> yeah, you know, in, in, in the study of philosophy, it would be, it would be the study of ethics or, um, religion we would talk about morality here um but you know it can really be anything that you find to be yeah that good we're hoping to have guests on the show and um these categories uh, and these slash segments were meant to be you know they're meant to provide enough structure to to facilitate conversation but uh but to be to be uh you know vague enough to to allow some freedom and creativity, yeah. I kind of I kind of feel like the goodness is almost like the freestyle section of the yeah. the show. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, my pick for the goodness section is an article uh, 
from, uh, let's see, from April 23rd. And it is from uh, thegoodnewsnetwork.org. And it, the headline simply reads, England just had its first day without coal since the Industrial Revolution. Hmm. This is good in my mind. Um, for the first time since the Industrial Revolution, England went 24 hours without the use of coal for electricity. Uh, this is fantastic. Yeah. This is a step in the right direction for me, in, in my opinion. Um, this is a step toward what eco-philosophers like John Cobb and uh, you know, Bruno Latour, people like this, would, 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 would call a step toward our ecological civilization, where we don't treat nature as you know, just a collection of objects uh, with commodities and, and, and things to be, to be used um, by humans, but as a collection of subjects that have rights and that uh, you know, are a part of us when we, affect, when, when, we, when we push on nature, nature pushes back. Yeah. And this is something that, we, that, we, that we're learning slowly, but um, this is encouraging to me. Uh, uh, according to the National Grid, the longest amount of time without coal was a 19-year span in the time of May, in, uh, oh, span time in May. Then on Friday, it broke the record for the first full day uh, without coal power. Hmm. It's great. Um, and then down here I read that, uh, boy, uh, the historic day comes as a welcome follow-up to a report published in March uh, stating that the levels of greenhouse gases released into the atmosphere last year fell to the same amount as 1980, uh, 1894, the year that the first petroleum-powered car was patented. The, the, the statement reflects the country's 54% drop in coal use, amounting to only 381 million tons of dispelled co2 emissions only that's fantastic yeah um, um but at the same time in, in our climate um we have we have a president that is sort of lifting restrictions on coal mines and wants wants to dig more coal out of the earth uh that's not so good in my opinion but <clears throat> i also did hear some encouraging news uh on npr today that um despite our current administration's attempts to to roll back environmental protections it's uh the public wants it and uh, the cities want it so it, it, it's encouraging because at the city level what we may see are environmental protections being uh, instated and being upheld and being you know um, being recognized um, so so local sort of action happening uh, regarding the environmental protection um, despite the craziness that's happening right now on the national level yeah um, because when you talk about it's really it's really funny because you talk about clean drinking water right mm -hmm. or or extraction of, of uh, clean clean fuel these are like hot button topics at the national level but when you get down to like local like everyday people um everybody wants clean water that's not that's not a it's not debatable right no you talk to people in, in in your local town in williamsport clean water good for you yeah is that cool it's, it's, it's going to be good. That was our sound effects uh, CD, by the way. It was a drinking water. Um, <laughs> that was track number two. But, yeah, so that, that's encouraging to me that, you know, when you get down to it locally and get down on the streets, ecological civilization is something that's, that everybody wants. It's not, it's not a politicized thing. No. In my opinion, yeah. It's, it seems no, to be the case. Be. I remember uh, we were raising money once uh, with a, local group where Jesse and I are both involved with called Valley Mosaic. Years ago, we were yeah. raising money for a foundation called Charity Water. Yeah. And we were uh, part of 
one way we were raising money was selling these. Uh, they were the stainless steel canteens. Yeah, drinking uh, water bottles. Were they yeah. called? Yeah, canteens. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was an African proverb on there that yeah. said something along the lines of "Filthy water cannot be washed." That's right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. yeah so mind. good stuff, man. Um, that that's all I got. Um, we we'll we'll wrap up, I guess, and we'll just yeah. uh, we'll thank you know WXPI. Uh, we'll we'll be back. Uh, May 15th, I guess, with a new episode. This is uh, May 1st, 2017. We'll be back May... What, May 15th, I guess? May 15th. That's my anniversary. Oh, baby. Seven years. And uh, yeah. speaking of that, we want to thank our, our wives for allowing us Definitely. to record as well. So Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, and what else we got going on? Um, you can you can connect with me on Twitter, at Jesse Turri, J-E-S-S-E-T-U-R-R-I. I'm on Instagram, Jesse Turri. What about you, Dan? You got any plugs? I'm not on any of those things. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook. Okay. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, that's pretty much write him a letter. That's pretty much it right now. Yeah, uh, send it by Pony Express. <laughs> awesome. And yeah, we are good to go. Um, so we, we, we appreciate when listening. And as we go, we're, we're going to have um, you know some guests on. I think next time, or maybe not next time, but future episodes yeah stay tuned we'll introduce some new segments we'll potentially um if uh, if we really get in the groove you know we can make this a, a weekly sort of uh broadcast oh, great, yeah. yeah um and we'll see how it goes and, and um right now we're, we're trying to do a half hour um but uh, yeah we're open though to whatever whatever this this turns into um, so we really appreciate it we'll talk to you all soon See you later. Peace out. Hi, this is Dan. We hope you've enjoyed increased capacity. Uh, First of all, I want to apologize for the poor audio quality. I'm not in the studio right now. I'm just at home on my laptop recording this. Uh, So instead of a half hour, we've decided to go a full hour for the show. And to kind of round things out, I'm going to play three tracks for you uh, to finish up. Uh, The first one is by Jose Gonzalez with the song Crosses, it's the Dinner Date remix. Second, we're going to be playing a song by a band called Oh Be Clever with the song River. And finally, we're going to we're going to finish it off with the song that brought us in. We're going to play it in its entirety, Giraffe Squad with Wait For Me. All of these songs are royalty-free, and they can be found on SoundCloud.com. We hope you enjoyed the show, and join us next time on Increased Capacity.
Oh,